there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. So um, this week's video is an interview with two phenomenal people, um, Kathy and Melissa. You'll meet them in a second. So I'm Melissa. I'm a pelvic floor um, physical therapist at Wellest Integrated Health in Boston. And I'm Kathy. I'm a family nurse practitioner with a specialty in pelvic floor health and pelvic floor therapy, and I work with Melissa. This is a recorded interview we did to talk about pelvic floor, um, pelvic floor dysfunction, pelvic floor therapy, like basically all the things that you didn't know in school that like I really wish that I knew a long time ago. So I really hope you enjoy our conversation. There's a couple of resources that we mentioned down in the description below in the blog post. We'll link down below. And um, yeah, let us know what questions you have and definitely check out all of the resources that we talk about inside that video. So uh, without further ado, I'm gonna share my interview with you. And if you haven't grabbed the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. Um, you'll get these videos sent straight to your inbox every week, patient stories, uh, insights, and other just bonus content that I really just don't share anywhere else. So welcome and thank you so much for being here today. Would you like to introduce yourself? So I'm Melissa, I'm a pelvic floor um, physical therapist at Wellest Integrated Health in Boston, um, and I work alongside Kathy. And I'm Kathy. I'm a family nurse practitioner with a specialty in pelvic floor health and pelvic floor therapy, and I work with Melissa at Wellest. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so as you and I we've all talked before this call, like a lot of nurse practitioners who are newer or in school have no real conception or very little conception about like what pelvic floor dysfunction is, what pelvic floor therapy is. Um, so do you wanna just give us like a overview of what you think, what, how you'd explain mm -hmm. it to a new grad nurse practitioner? Sure, so go ahead, Melissa. I think first the important thing to talk about is what is the pelvic floor. Um, so Kathy has some beautiful models sitting right next to her. Um, but the pelvic floor is essentially a group of muscles that like any other muscle in the body can get tight, weak, um, and cause dysfunction. However, the dysfunction is not necessarily like, oh, my neck feels sore or my, my back feels sore. It comes in the form of sexual dysfunction, bowel dysfunction, urinary dysfunction, and then pain. So these are muscles that you're not generally thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis because they have autonomic function. So if they're performing like they should, you're not thinking, oh, I've got to squeeze my pelvic floor muscles so that I don't leak urine, right? <laughs> these are muscles that just contract when your bladder is full so that you are not leaking. When you have pain or when these muscles become weak, 
um, that's when they're not functioning. So then you notice, oh gosh, I just sneezed and leaked urine, um, or oh, I'm feeling constipated. Why, why is my stool coming out in you know, little pebble-like form? Why can I not have a good bowel movement? Mm. Um, these are all can be causes of the pelvic floor muscles. So most of these muscles attach on the pubic bone and they wrap, they create a nice bowl shape to the coccyx or the tailbone. And if Kathy flips that, yep, you can see all the red in there is yeah. muscle. Um, so you're sitting on your sit bones right now, you can take a deep breath and you will feel those muscles that create your anal sphincter, your perineum, the space between your, an your anus and your vagina, and the vaginal opening. Mm. Um, so they're very dense muscles and they're very supportive because they hold up all your viscera and your organs. Um, obviously with pregnancy, these muscles do a very good job at supporting your growing baby. Um, so I think the most important takeaway with the pelvic floor muscles, there's a lot of them. You may not even like feel them on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, a lot of them, there's a lot of nerve endings and blood supply in the area. That's what helps you have an orgasm. Um, if they are dysfunctional, they will compress the nerves, they'll compress the blood vessels in that area. And that's what can cause burning pain, burning with urination, UTI-like symptoms, what people think are yeast infections, but maybe that's the, pel the pelvic floor muscles. Um, yeah. So all these things can be pelvic floor dysfunction if you're ruling out all the other things. Um, think yeah. of like the shingles. So can... Oh, go, Kathy. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, think about all the times that your patient comes in and they have like burning and itching and you do the cultures or you look under the even if you're doing wet mount microscopy and you don't see anything and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll send for culture mm -hmm. and you don't see anything. Nothing comes back. Right. Yeah. Nothing comes back. And then yeah. your patients in your office, another, the next week later, and they're like, I have burning, I have itching, I have pain. And I totally didn't mean to interrupt you, Melissa. I'm sorry, but no, I mean, the, these are the kind of things that I think nurse practitioners can totally have on their radar. Mm -hmm. I think we just mm -hmm. don't, learn about it in school so yeah. we don't think about it like we're all really comfortable you know when you're doing your head to toe assessment you're comfortable with your range of motion right and we're like okay like we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and all that kind of stuff right <laughs> so we're, that's about our comfort level with the musculoskeletal system yeah and then we like totally ignore all of this in here mm -hmm. and then when people come in I think we're very overwhelmed and you're like I don't know it's a UTI oh it's yeast it's BV yeah and a lot of the times it's not well that's like one of the things that when you and I were talking Kathy about like this blows my mind like how often do we see stuff like that and I think that we're just like never thinking about muscular dysfunction as being a contributing factor to presumably vaginitis or dysuria you yeah. know and I think to Melissa's point, you absolutely have to rule out yes. that it's not a UTI, it's not BV, sure. it's not yeast, it's not gonorrhea, it's not chlamydia, the yeah. host of things that it might be, you have to rule that out. But, but we often have a, too, like with a, like recurrent like yeast or UTI, a lot of times that can create pelvic floor dysfunction mm -hmm. because these 
these people are co constantly having these infections, which is creating inflammation in those muscles and in that mm. tissue. So then trigger points and tightness occurs because you're just stuck in this inflammatory response. Okay. So by getting pelvic floor therapy, you can go in and you can release those muscles and those trigger points and provide blood flow in a good um, you know, environment for all of that tissue so that it's not stuck in this inflammatory response because it's getting oxygenated blood flowing mm. through. Um, so also important to think of those people that are constantly coming in mm. with infections as well. Yeah. So, Excellent so I point. guess like on that, on that note, like when, cause there's like, there's, it's, it feels like endless amount of information. Like you guys are just such like a vast resource, like so much depth of knowledge. Right. But like, if you were to kind of like, think about like, when, when would you, what are the kind of scenarios where you would, um, so I guess just to clarify for, for people who are not aware of pelvic floor therapy, um, like what is that? And when would you want people to, when would you recommend primary care providers referring to pelvic, pelvic floor therapy? So pelvic floor therapy at Wellest, we, we're lucky. We have 55 minutes per patient. Um, and just to clarify, on... you're talking about your own business, right? Your yeah, own private yeah. pelvic floor practice, which is beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Um, so we, so we have a good amount of time, you know, anywhere between like 40 minutes to 55, um, we take a very thorough um, medical history in the beginning. Um, we do a postural assessment, pelvic alignment, really look at any external imbalances that could be causing pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, so, you know, even though we're treating the pelvic floor, we're looking at the whole body and, and alignment. Um, then, we do a lot of external release. So we uh, specifically, Kathy and I do a lot of myofascial release, visceral manipulation, which is organ specific, um, craniosacral, just pretty much all hands-on manual therapy. Um, and then some alignment therapeutic exercise. Kathy specializes in yoga. I do gyrotonic, which is similar to yoga. Um, so in a treatment, we would probably depending on the issue, but maybe spend, you know, half the time externally working on uh, areas of tightness and weakness, and then about half the time working internally, you're fully draped, one glove finger with lubricant, go intravaginally or rectally, depending on the issue, um, to check strength, um, areas of tightness, just like any, like, just like in your neck, if there's tension, we do like some trigger point release, myofascial release to release those muscles so that you can have the Mac optimize your pelvic function. Um, Kathy, anything else? So lots of education. I, tons of education, which is another reason why I think NPs are perfect <laughs> to get the discussion started and perfect if they know like you would totally trust your NP if you went like mm -hmm. everyone, how often, often does everyone say like, oh my God, I love my nurse practitioner. I'd like mm -hmm. so much rather see my nurse practitioner, right? And so if you as the nurse practitioner knows what pelvic floor therapy is, you're way more likely to get buy-in mm -hmm. from your patient if you're the one recommending it. 
Um, the other thing I just, you know, I, I know it can seem very overwhelming when you're like, oh my God, 55 minutes, like that's a really long time. What a luxury. And it is a luxury. And I just want to say that you can also do so much important education and even just like a little bit of postural education and even like very basic, helpful, hands-on releases, like literally in the 15, 20 or 30 minute office visit. Because before I joined Melissa here at Wellis, I was doing that at a community health center. So this is, and again, like NPs are the perfect people to start the discussion and then be the bridge to get people into specialized pelvic floor therapy if you feel like the interventions that you have done aren't really getting your patient to where they need to be. Yeah, right. Like simple example, would, okay, constipation. You maybe, what would you, you may recommend like colace or like some sort of stool softener, right? Well, you could see their breathing mechanics, which is mm. like diaphragmatic breathing is a pretty easy thing to educate your patient on. And then teaching them about like toileting position, mm -hmm. um, you know, it may be in conjunction with the stool softener, but just seeing how their motor control is and what their breathing is like, because a lot of constipation that we see is the pelvic floor issue. Oh my God, that's that so fascinating. You're not able <laughs> right? to breathe properly. And most people, <laughs> if you, if we're assessing internally and we're like, okay, bear down like you're having a bowel movement, they contract and do a pelvic yeah. floor tightening. So yeah. how are you going to get stool out if that's You happening? can. You're not. So that's why you're going to yeah. have the ribbon-like stool or like the the little pebble. Yeah. yeah. And I guess just to, just to jump in for a sec, like I think that if people are aware of pelvic floor dysfunction, they, they're usually aware of like urinary incontinence and they're usually thinking, um, uh, just do Kegels, right? Because I feel like that's like the extent of what we learn in school. And Kathy, I love you're like, oh, but Kathy, you and I were talking and it was like, and, it, and it's just, it's just like, like, I think I love that it's, it's so, it's so, I guess two kind of things that I've gleaned from like talking with you guys and also doing my own physical therapy. Cause like, I think that's one thing that we don't get as nurse practitioners, like seeing actually what it looks like, you know, and like, yeah. So one is kind of that it's complex that is way oversimplified. Basically any, well, maybe I'm going off here, but any sort of physical medicine, I feel like that we learn sometimes is oversimplified, right? So it's like a handout about back exercises or it's a handout about urinary incontinence. And it's actually a lot more complicated than that. Um, and I also love too, that like Kathy, like you've really simplified it. Like I, I'm continuing to learn more and more, but it's actually, it feels very scary and overwhelming, but at the same time, it's also not, but it is complex, right? So it's kind of, I think that's like a, a major, at least takeaway that I would impart on new nurse practitioners or nurse practitioners in general is that like, just don't give handouts. <laughs> In those particular areas, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously do education, but like keeping in mind that it's nuanced, would you agree with that? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, on all the EMRs that we all use, when you type in any of those like prolapse, incontinence, any of the painful, you know, dyspareunia, pain with sex, any of that stuff, that's what comes up. Yeah. Is a handout with Kegels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it just and I would on... say, go ahead. 
I was going to say it just depends on the physiology. I think that's one of the take-ons that I'm taking from physical therapy is that like, cause I have like a back and a neck and a back injury and stuff like that. So it's, it's just, it's all customized and it's all based on the individual body and kind of what's going on. I mean, again, maybe, maybe you have a different view, but I think that's what I'm understanding is like, oh, we're going to change this because you're having pain this way, or you're going to change this because of, you know. Which I think is a great segue into as nurse practitioners who do pelvic exams, again, like we're the, we're the ones to do it. Right. And it's yeah. like, you never learn about that in school. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. like, go find the cervix. And then you're so happy when you can find the cervix <laughs> and that cervix is hard to find at the beginning. Right. Yes. And you're like, Oh my God, where is it? And you're like yep. moving the speculum all around and you're yep. like, um, and then and by manual you know, exams too are hard. I mean, they they, are. they're a little, yeah, like they're a skill to, to figure out. And I remember we did it with co-instructors um, with their titles and they were like, oh, this is my ovary and this is my ovary, but it's like every body habitus is different too, you know? Oh, totally. And like ovaries are really hard to find yes. unless yes. the body <laughs> habitus is a very certain way, yes. right? I mean, and even then, like, yes, I've been an NP for 10 years and I have not palpated a lot of ovaries. Yeah. Just thank you for normalizing that. No, thank you for normalizing because I think that I really it's important haven't. too. Yeah. And you yeah. are like, you are the women's health MP. You know? Yeah. And like, I got to tell you, not a lot of ovaries, you know? Yeah. And I think I also just want to reassure people that, you know, I never learned any of this in school. Like mm-hmm. I learned how to find the cervix and how to look for, ad, you know, adnexa. That was it. Yeah. And then I was running a women's health program. Like, doing all sorts of GYN procedures, like colposcopies, IUD insertions, endobiopsies, like, and literally for four years, I never thought about the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's not, I, it's embarrassing. And but I just want to say, it's I went also, to physical, I went to physical therapy school. All we do is musculoskeletal. Like that's what we do. And I did not learn about pelvic floor. Yeah. My physical therapist was like, I don't do pelvic floor. (laughs) We we took like, I think like an hour long lecture about like, okay, this is, this is pelvic floor therapy. If you want to explore it, go do that on your own. We do gross anatomy where we're dissecting. We didn't even dissect the pelvic floor. Like, you know, so this is like, what physical therapists should, we should know about this and we don't even know about it. So right. yeah, yeah. Melissa, you guys have to go do, like, if you want to do this, you have to do like training after you're finished with school, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. a specialty okay. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think too, like, it's important to mention because I, like you said, the Kegels and then like a lot of people think pelvic floor, oh, urinary, like incontinence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, or dysperiunia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to note, like most people that we see are not like your typical, like, oh, I have, I have leakage or incontinence. It's like, we have a 20 year old that has never been able to insert a tampon and has pelvic pain and can't sit. So, mm. um, you know, there's a wide variety of pelvic floor dysfunctions and most and I of think them that's do not require Kegels. So. Totally. And that's also a time when it would be important to be able to know people that you could refer to. Like yeah. you would never be expected totally, you know, in a primary care office to be treating someone with, 
vulvodynia, vaginismus, yeah. like any, yeah. like none of that stuff. Like that's yeah. not, however, if you have someone that comes in with dyspareunia, you sh and you do your bimanual exam, if you just approach it with a different lens and you're like, what am I actually feeling under my hand? Yeah, that can really change. And then if you're feeling anything like literally that feels just kind of tight or like bunched up or restricted, the last thing you want to do is tell that person to squeeze. Right. Cause more. Right? So even yeah. totally. So like going back to Melissa's point about the diaphragm, right? If you like, let's say you have just the person has dyspareunia, you've identified some tightness in the pelvic floor. If you work on that patient with engaging their diaphragm, like I literally will like grab a tissue box and like put it on their low belly and say like, we're going to watch this tissue box go up and down. Mm. If you can start, I, you know, if you cut the torso in half and you put the box down here and watch the box go up and down, then this isn't, this is not doing the work of breathing. Mm. As soon as you get somebody to breathe from down here, guess what? Their pelvic floor will start to drop a little bit. They don't even have to know they're doing it, but then you're like, oh, you're in your diaphragm. Oh, look, like, and then you explain like your pelvic floor is dropping a little bit. Which is like, a good thing or not a good thing? So that means <laughs> you're relaxing it. You're relaxing. Sorry, relaxing. Sorry, you're relaxing. Okay. So if you've wrong. identified some, some tightness and then okay. you're helping that person to I see, relax, I see. then like what a gift you've given to your patient right who right. maybe doesn't need to go the whole route of going to a pelvic floor specialist, yeah. but can start. Can, yeah. And then you kind of see where things go from there. Yeah. So I guess to, to kind of like sum up and in terms of um, the reasons why a new nurse practitioner who's not familiar at all with pelvic floor stuff, anything, if they were like, what are the takeaways in terms of um, reasons to consider, consider pelvic floor intervention. Well, like, well, we'll talk about something that Kathy and Melissa are working on at the end, but, um, in the interim, like, what are the key things for them to know in terms of, um, uh, like the type of, um, conditions, I guess, to like raise red flags about in terms of like, oh, this is, this may be a pelvic floor dysfunction. Like, and we've covered a lot of them, right? So just like some uh, recurrent vaginitis, dysuria, constipation, dyspareunia, vulvodynia, um, pelvic, general pelvic pain, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, do you have like lower abdominal pain as well? I feel like I've had some people where it's like left lower quadrant pain and I've ended up referring them to pelvic floor because it, all of the workup we did was not conclusive. So I felt like it was a muscular pain, thing. Um, endometriosis. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Any like, mm -hmm. again, the constipation, um, tailbone pain, coccydinia. Oh, interesting. Oh. Any like SI joint pain, hip SI pain, joint, low back pain, low back, yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Any of the like, I mean, if you're finding doing an exam that someone is super like guarded in their adductors or their inner thighs, tremoring mm -hmm. at all, mm -hmm. they tend. It's like everyone. <laughs> Hyper. It's just, I mean, they're probably nervous. Too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah totally. But, um, yeah, totally. I think too, like as an, a new NP, just knowing like, like, yeah, for these conditions, when to refer out so that we're not seeing these poor people like 
three years down the road, they've had yeah. this issue yeah. because no one's ever told them, well, why don't you go get in this? Like all they need is an evaluation. Like yes, we will say, no, yeah. this isn't a pelvic floor issue yeah, or right. yes, this totally is. So it's better to err on the side of like, why don't you go get evaluated and see if this is a pelvic floor condition? Yeah. Um, because we will not, we won't say to you, oh yeah, keep coming when we don't yeah. see you. Um, the same as we would, you know, send people, sorry, the same as we would like, you do the workup, you get the pelvic ultrasound, you might get the abdominal ultrasound, you do yeah. the appropriate lab. You know, it's the same exact thing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's the same thing. Pelvic floor therapy can just, and should be a part of that global because yeah. the big yeah, the totally. big issue is just we see people and it's been so long that they've had these poor conditions and they come to us and they're yeah. like oh my god I'm finally getting relief mm -hmm. but of course it's going to take a while because it's a chronic condition now where they've mm -hmm. had it for three plus years yeah and it takes a lot of time so longer, if yeah. you just referred right away mm -hmm. when you're suspecting a pelvic floor issue it would be so much quicker and better yeah. for the patient. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it sounds like, um, in terms of, um, when to refer them, like, yeah, I think, I think that's definitely like a huge general physical therapy thing too, right. It's like the sooner on, like the longer it's been, the longer it will take to kind of continue. And I think one of the things that you, you, we all had talked about is like, um, letting the patient know what to expect. So I've actually never participated in physical therapy. I've never administered pelvic floor therapy of any kind. Um, but like, I understand that it's an internal, like you said, like it's an, in, it's an ex both external, the whole body, right? It's not just a pelvic floor, but it's also an internal exam too. So I think that's been like the main thing that I have, cause I've commuted, I communicate that with patients is like what this whole thing is. But, um, yeah, I think that's, you've said that that was like the major surprise that patients will get sometimes is that they get referred and they don't realize that it's like a 55 or 45 minutes potentially internal exam, which is ultimately beneficial, right? But it's like a lot for some people, right. you know? It's not, we never spend a full like treatment internally. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 never no. more than probably 30 minutes. Okay. These are max and like yeah. 55 minutes would be way too much. Yeah. Um, and we'd probably flare the patient up. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, more like 20 minutes to 30 max. Um, and it's really like, oh, often patients will say to us, Oh God, I was so afraid of this. And this is really not mm -hmm. bad at all. Like, oh, that's we're nice. not like jamming our finger there and no, fishing around. No. It's very no. gentle. Super gentle. <laughs> very gentle. Yeah. So it and should not be scary at all. We're yeah. not scary. Totally. <laughs> I hope not. Totally. No, and I think that I mean it it's it does flare my like blood, like makes my blood boil a little bit that it is not talked about enough and that it is an extra specialty and it's not incorporated because it's women's health. It's 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 a, it's a thing. I think it was, I was, I would wish that it would be more equitable. Right. But it's the other thing is that like the people who go into pelvic floor therapy have specifically chosen that. So at the, if there's a silver lining to that, um, hopefully they're more, they're specifically passionate about making this a welcoming and, and yeah. holistically helpful experience. I think one of the things that, um, so inspires me, Kathy, about the way that you've talked about uh, is just like, it's not, it, it's, it's involved, but I also like want to stress like what you've inspired for me is that it's, it's actually not that it's like, there are things that you can do that are not hard, right? That there are things that like we can learn about as NPs 
to make a really big difference quickly, right? Because I think that my conception is like, oh, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get them to go there. And I could never learn that. And that would be, you know, but I think like you've just told me, like, it's been so great for patients to have like real results in a shorter period of time. What do you feel like the general trajectory of, of time is that you typically work with people? And I know it's longer for chron more chronic problems, but do you have a general sense of what most people do or is it kind of just tailored to the individual? Yeah, so we usually say like, you'll notice change between six to eight visits. Cool. Um, we usually see people once a week um, because it's all cumulative. So, mm -hmm. you know, we need to get going on it once a week. Um, but generally between six to eight, again, we have some patients that have had issues for like 30 years, honestly. Oh, that's so um, sad. Yeah. So they may be coming in for a pretty long time. Right. And then other patients that are, you know, postpartum, maybe they're coming in for six visits and they're good to go. Right. Um, right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really nice to know. Because so, I think yeah. like in France, potentially, maybe this is old information, but I think that their health system supports pelvic floor rehabilitation basically for everybody postpartum as part of their healthcare system. I think you get 12 visits. I've wow. had some French patients over the years. Yeah. And even in China, I have a, I've had a few patients from China that have different parts of the country that have shared that they've gotten, I think, three postpartum pelvic floor visits yeah. of some yeah. sort. So yeah. we are way behind the eight ball yeah. on this. Like yeah. it's just, it's a travesty. Yeah. yeah. We're seeing a lot more um, like of the perinatal population, which is great. Like even like, like pregnant women that are just doing preventative yeah. care Anything. throughout their pregnancy, which is awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see them yeah. like once a month. And then as they get to like week 34, 35, we'll do weekly. Um, yeah. And that's to teach like pushing, um, some perineal massage. That's so, so cool. That they go into labor and delivery feeling confident. That's like That's the awesome. big thing that, that women really are so thrilled about. They're like, oh my yeah. gosh, I know when they say push, I know what they're talking about now. Okay. And because I, when you're in labor is not the time to be like, wait, what? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, it's kind of nice if you've had a moment to actually experience nice that <laughs> before you like are contracting and in full yeah. labor. It's just, yeah. And again, like you wouldn't believe how many women we see that you're like, okay, like you're, you're teaching the pushing mechanics and they are doing the like Opposite. biggest kegel you have kegel. ever imagined and totally. you're like how are you going to get this baby out there's no way <laughs> And then you teach them how to relax and they yeah. like, and they're like, Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. How cool. That is so cool. And see, I think that's even something that an NP could do. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's a easy thing. Yeah. Like yeah. you could absolutely do that. Yeah. And like what great access. Cause, cause Kathy, Kathy and I work in a federally qualified health center and, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to get people access to things. So the more that we can know and do in primary care, again, we're, this is mainly for new nurse practitioners who are adjusting to clinical practice in general. But I think especially as you continue to grow your practice and develop your skills, like that is definitely something can, mm -hmm. can incorporate. And the other thing I think that will also be so helpful if you are even thinking about some of this and referring a little bit sooner I think the frustration level mm -hmm. for the nurse practitioner, think about like you see the same person on your schedule, like pelvic pain, 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Right. And you've like done the ultrasound and you've done the this and the that. And you're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. Like we've all had that. Yeah. And you just feel it's like the poor patient, right? Like yeah. they're so frustrated, but then you yeah. as the provider, you, you're like, I can't help my pain. Like, I don't know what to do. And I really think it's just because we get, you know, like PTs get that one hour in PT school and NPs get like one or two slides. And it's all about like, it, it doesn't talk about like the real hands-on, like what do the muscles feel like? It's just like, this is the diagnosis and this is maybe the medicine you want to yeah. give. And yeah. I, I think this is much broader than yes. that, which I think also is why it's so suited for NPs who think more holistically. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Men can have pelvic floor dysfunction too. I know we're talking. Yeah. I was just going to ask about inclusivity. Um, just yeah. to be inclusive, you primarily work with cis female patients, but it yeah. sounds, yeah. Tell me about that. And transgender patients too, yeah. like people with neo-vaginas and things like that. Oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I was going to say also for trans men patients or trans male patients, like I feel like I've, I have heard of a lot of um, just like anecdotal experiences with patients having a lot of pelvic floor pain uh, for trans men. So I think that potentially very sensitive topic, but important. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. Yeah. And I guess it kind of leads into resources. Like um, what, well, I guess if you, if you want to tag on this question too, I mean, I think the question is always about like insurance (laughs) and accessibility. So like any thoughts you have about like a nurse practitioner who's in their practice, who's seeing these issues that wants to refer, how would you recommend, what are the resources that you would recommend for that person to refer, find a specialist um, insurance, general insurance questions, and then learning themselves. So I would start off find like whatever health system you're a part of know your major hospitals and most major hospitals will have a pelvic floor therapy department and I mm-hmm. think that's you know like Liz I'm thinking where we practice right like we yeah. have a hospital in Boston that we refer to a lot yeah. Yeah. that would be the first place that I would mm-hmm. go and it depends on your patient yeah. population like we serve a very particular population yeah but I think for people with more access better insurance then you want to start looking beyond the yeah. hospital programs because unfortunately most of the time they are very overwhelmed mm-hmm. and long, not, wait like, long wait lists yeah long wait lists and things mm-hmm. so then you could look at Herman and Wallace okay They're is that a, a website the, or a company or so Herman and Wallace is you will find any like provider that's gone through their pelvic floor coursework, which is like the main institute for pelvic floor. So you'll see hospital-based clinicians on there. You'll see outpatient. The big difference is like whether you're in network or out of network for insurance. Right. Um, right. So you can go on there. It doesn't say, I think, if they're in network or out of network, but you can then... it, it, it's very easy to contact these people and ask them if they're in network or out of yeah. network. Yeah. Um, generally in network, you're just getting a shorter treatment time because insurance unfortunately is kind of dictating the plan yeah. out of network. You get a little bit more um, yeah. time. Yeah. And you can find, I mean, if they have the resources, they can find private practices. Um, I don't know yeah. if you guys take insurance or not, but you know, private practices, I'm sure as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. What about and for also- NPs? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, 
International Pelvic Pain Society, I think also has a provider list. That's another mm -hmm. resource. And cool. Pelvic Guru. Pel yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And what else? What about for providers who want to learn more and do it themselves? <laughs> I'm so excited. Can we share? <laughs> totally. Totally. <gasps> Melissa, you want to go? So we're creating um, an online course for um, specifically for women's health NPs and midwives, but also for any NP that is interested. Um, and it's really to simplify and demystify the pelvic floor so that you have the ability to really know when to refer to a pelvic floor therapist, but also to do some simple things that aren't gonna take you very long to really help your patient um, with their pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, so, and you I'm can so use ICD-10 codes. It's all good. Like, don't worry about like manual therapy codes or anything like that. You d don't worry about it. You just use your ICD-10 dysphonia. Right. Like Kathy, all set. Right. That's awesome. Well, you were saying Kathy too, like at the health center, you will see people weekly for a couple mm -hmm. of visits as well for mm -hmm. any sort oh, sure. of- sure. At family practice, like a family practice yeah. at THC, like oh. you're doing it yourself in, in regular oh, totally. visits. So I feel yeah, like this, would, totally. this is such a phenomenal resource I cannot wait for, um, especially for nurse practitioners who are family, family providers or um, acute, like adult Jero, like even if they're not in women's health, like there's so many people that I am in community with that are interested in particularly in women's health. Like you are, Kathy, because you, do you have right. a women's health degree as well or just family? No. Yeah. So your family, family. family practice as well. So, yeah, um, and you. also can we, can we share about the channel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chilling about my YouTube channel, but this is new for you guys. <laughs> we'll be releasing weekly videos, hopefully in in February. Yes. Um, well, this will when this is live, it will be live. Okay. Okay. So we will we will link to down below this video all of the okay. resources, your website, your course. So excited. Great. Um, so cool. But yeah, for people who just want to learn more and want to do more women's health stuff, especially with limited access to resources, I'm just so excited. And especially like, it's not like, it's not, it's demystifying. I love that because it really does feel like complicated, overwhelming. How could I possibly do that? How could I help? I don't know enough, you know, like all these things that I'm having as a five-year experienced nurse practitioner, but it really like- And that really I had, I never thought about it four years in. Yeah. Never thought about it. Yeah. Right? So And like your test, like your feedback from patients sounds really beautiful, you know, in terms of the, like, this is really impactful stuff. And like, how often do people come in with all of these things? Right. So right. I'm very excited. So where can, where can we find you? Where can people find you when they want to learn more? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we have a website. It's the Institute, Institute for pelvic health.com. So you can find us there and you can yes. sign up for our newsletter. And we have a lovely, um, four tips to managing that challenging speculum exam guide Ooh, so yes. to help you right away um yes with with your speculum exam and kind of incorporate pelvic floor right. thank you guys so very much any other last things you want to add I think we covered the. I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, thank you, you guys for having us. So awesome. Thank you so much it's for chatting. So fun to chat with you. Yes, and I'm sure this yeah. is not the last time that we will chat. So, yeah. oh, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. The other thing I think is so cool about what we're doing is that 
Melissa is a PT and I am an MP and this is interdisciplinary practice at its best. And I think, yeah, there's such opportunity there. And I think we just think stay in your lane, stay in your lane. And I, I just think there's such an opportunity for all to really grow professionally. I know how much I learn from, you know, partnering with Melissa and I, I, everybody can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a huge opportunity for people. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. Thanks Liz. Thank you so for having awesome. us Liz. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the Ultimate Resource Guide for the New NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.